That's the mood I'm in and have been in while crafting this episode. You just heard some conscious fire bars from my father himself. If you like the song, it's called I Am What I Am and it's on Apple Music and Spotify. Welcome to the House of Healing, where we aren't afraid to dig deep and face what it is we see. This is a house that celebrates vulnerability and transparency. I'm your host, Tajane Muldrow, and all I ask is that as you listen, you do so with an open heart and flow where the conversation goes. Oh, and if you didn't know, God is the head of this household. y'all since dropping the first episode i've experienced a whirlwind of emotions these conversations with my dad were so illuminating but it was also a lot on my spirit not only did i learn more about him our family and our family's history but we also talked about some things regarding me and my story that we've never talked about before we talked about things in my past that if i'm being honest i would prefer to keep hidden There's some shit I don't want the world knowing because I'm not proud of it or the person I was when I did it. But at the same time, I have to rework that and understand that I did the best I could with what I knew and where I was at the time. And if I was responding or reacting out of my trauma, out of a painful, hurtful, wounded place, I didn't know any better. And of course, when you know better, you do better. And that's the stage I'm at now. But back then I didn't. And because of that, I realized that I have to give myself more grace. You know, this conversation with my dad dug up some things that I'd long forgotten about, or rather intentionally suppressed because I was ashamed of it. I was shamed for it, and I internalized all that shame and guilt, which led me to suppressing it and intentionally not revisiting it. But this conversation dug it up, pulled back a curtain and let the light shine on it. And if I'm being transparent, I struggled. I went back and forth asking myself questions like, do you really want to share this with the world? Do you really want people to know this about you? Do you really want to face this? Do you really want to own up to this? 
Bitch, hell the fuck yeah, I do. Because here's the thing. How can I be my true, full, authentic self if I'm not willing to acknowledge, look at, shine a light on, and integrate all parts of myself? How can I expect others to accept me when I don't fully accept myself? How can I be my authentic self in my fullness in my entirety if I don't pull back the curtain and shine a light on some things? If I don't face those things? Honey, I forgot about this period in my life and the truth is I forgot because I meant to. I forgot because I suppressed it. I forgot because I was ashamed. So to hear my dad bring these things up in conversation, it got a little uncomfortable for me. All of this took place on the same day, long before I released the first episode, so I've had to do some inner work behind the scenes. Now, mind you, this is a house that celebrates vulnerability and transparency, so I had to remind myself of that. I had to remind myself of my mission and my purpose, my why. Be about it. Be about it and do it. I'm here to lead by example, and I really want y'all to know that this process, this podcast, this brand, it's healing for me. It's healing and therapeutic for me, and we're talking about healing that we've been through, healing that we're going through, and healing that we still need to do. So part two of this candid conversation with my dad is a glimpse of the healing I'm going through and still need to do. I was watching a podcast interview of Tamara Maury on the School of Greatness, which I urge everyone to check out because she dropped some genuine gems. But she explained how she had to work through feeling like she wasn't good enough and work through the things that other people were saying. She also said people are entitled to their opinion, but you don't have to agree with it. And an opinion doesn't mean it's a fact. And that's just on period. She continued to go on and say she would rather have people dislike and hate her for who she really is than for people to like and love her for someone she isn't. And baby, I felt that because that's the war I've battled within myself. I've always been dope as fuck, but I've been in so many situations where I've been made to feel wrong or been shamed for who I really am. And fuck that. Fuck that. Fuck them. Fuck their opinions and fuck how they feel about it. One thing my parents always told me is mind over matter. Those who matter don't mind, and those who mind don't fucking matter. And that's the space of healing that I'm in now. Knowing who the fuck I am and standing on it. I heard this quote that will stick with me forever. The strength in knowing who you are gives you the power to see that what is in the shadows won't survive in your light. So yeah, I have a shadow side. We all do. I have some parts of me that I'm not proud of, but at the same time, it's those dark parts, it's those ugly parts that God wants to use for his glory. Remember how we talked about stories in the first episode? The only reason I'm sharing this shit right now, no matter what insecurity, doubt, or fear I may feel, is because that's the mission, testimonies, storytelling. Ain't no telling how many girls went through what I'm about to talk about. Ain't no telling how many people are dealing with what I'm dealing with. And I have to realize this is a platform that's larger than just the few people around me. This platform that is larger than old friends turned enemies that may be out there talking shit about me or people who have these ideas about who I used to be. This is a platform that is being heard around the world. We already have listeners in Germany, Puerto Rico, Mexico, and India in addition to the United States. It's bigger than me. And that's what helped me get started in the first place. My great aunt told me, it's not just about you. It's about God's purpose and plans. God's low-key like, forget your feelings, sis. It's not about you. Are you going to be obedient? Do you believe in me? Do you have faith? 
okay, so now are you going to do what I told you to do and trust it, believe it, have faith in it, plant the seed, continue to water it and watch what I make it grow into. That's the thing about these seeds God has us planting. God will put something in your spirit and put a vision in your third eye, but it's a watered down version because God will surpass anything you could have ever imagined. So the seeds I've been planting, I don't know how they're going to bloom. I don't know how they're going to blossom. I don't know what they're going to look like, what shape and form it's going to take. I don't know any of that. All I know is I planted the seed and I'm going to continue to water it. The rest is up to God to make it grow. The sun, like the sun makes plants grow. Anytime I think I'm doing something, God be like, nah, bigger. So I collaborate with God and do my part. That being said, I have to be brave. I have to be a leader. There is no healing in hiding. I'm going to say that again. There is no healing in hiding. It's just not. Now there's healing in separation. The difference is hiding is fear-based. It's a defense mechanism. There's no healing in hiding. When you hide yourself in certain parts of you away, you're keeping yourself from being seen. You're keeping yourself from being in the light. You're keeping yourself from being a leader. You're keeping yourself from being who you are. But separation is intentional. You often have to separate to elevate. Separation is a slingshot used to pull you back and shoot you forward even further. Separation quiets the noise and distractions and forces you to focus, to zone in, to get to know yourself again. Separation is for reflection and transformation, for protection, preparation, and preservation. God may put you in a season of separation. And in that season, you're not alone. You're just separated because if you were in the mix with all these people and distractions, you're not going to be able to do what you're supposed to do. Sometimes you're not going to be able to do the healing that you're meant to do until you sit with yourself for a little minute. Much like the separation stage in Twin Flames. In the Bible, the book of Philemon, Paul speaks on Onesimus. Paul says, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. Relating that to life, perhaps God separates us in order for us to do the work we need to do internally so that we are no longer slaves to ourselves, our worldly desires, our inner demons, temptation, and the condition of the world and society. Perhaps God separates us so that we can return back even better than before, more whole, more present, and more loving than ever before. That's why separation is intentional. Hiding, however, is not. So, like, if somebody breaks into your house and, you know, possibly try to kill you, your instinct may be to run and hide because you're afraid. Or you can stand up and fight. Defend yourself. Hiding is out of fear. You're hiding who you are, what you're meant to do, and what you believe. I had to come to terms with that and decide to come on up out of hiding. Like I said in the first episode, I went through all these things so others don't have to to help those who are and don't know what to do, and to let people know that they aren't alone. I can't do that if I'm hiding parts of myself in my story. I can't pick and choose what parts of my story I do and don't want to tell. I can't pick and choose what parts of my story will be inspirational or helpful. God wrote my story the way it is for a reason, and I have to own it. 
because it's not about me. It was never about me and will never be about me. When it comes to God, baby, my ego is on the back burner. It's in the back seat, ready to take over when necessary because your ego is there to protect you. But it's in the back seat, chilling, ready if needed. You know, healing is about the journey, not the destination. It's an eternal journey. And just like a road trip, when you're driving indefinitely to a destination, you might need to switch drivers. My spirit is in the driver's seat with God as my GPS. My heart is in the passenger seat and my ego is chilling in the back seat. It's not about me. The work that I do is being of service. When you're being of service, it's, it's not about you. And I can't lie. That be a hard pill for me to swallow sometimes because I love when it's all about me and that's just being real. And it could be the Leo rising in me. But when it comes to this, being of service and doing God's work, baby, it's not about me whatsoever. And me sharing this next part of my story, I'm sharing things from my shadow side that I'm working to accept, love, and integrate. I'm learning that even though I may not be perfect, God perfectly and purposely made me for a reason. In his image. That's it and that's all. All that being said, I hope my story reaches and touches the people that are meant to hear it. My hope is that by sharing this, bearing my soul and being transparent, that it hits somebody else a little differently, that it inspires somebody, that it comforts somebody, and that it encourages somebody. Where did we leave off? Okay, us building our relationship and the tipping point in our relationship, like, that's why if you go back and watch the live of you and Carmen's wedding, y'all randomly asked me the day of <laughs> to give the toast, you know, at y'all's wedding. But that's what I said. And I kind of teared up when I was saying it. You know what I mean? I was you like, teared up when we was doing the walkthrough yesterday because it was at the house. So God, man, I cried the whole day. Let, <laughs> let, like, let's just be clear. Understand. I we cried because we know what we're doing. <laughs> trying to get over it's COVID, trying to keep everybody safe. We had the, you know, the wedding in the backyard. So we came and they happened to come over doing a dress rehearsal. And we're like, what you crying for? <laughs> it, ain't, it, ain't, it ain't till tomorrow. You, you crying already. Mm. That was funny. I'm like, what you crying for? Like, we just doing a walk. It wasn't the day before. It was the day of. Y'all did a rehearsal, like, at first. And then we had to go home and get ready and come back. Is that back. what it was? Yes. Regardless, I was crying, okay? I thought it was the, the day before. Okay, I don't know. Ain't no telling. Who cares? All I know is I was crying, okay? One thing about Tajine, she gonna cry now, but it's crazy because I grew up not crying for real, but it's just so funny because there were so many tears that day, but it went from, you know, tears of sadness and release and realization at the dress rehearsal to tears of, you know, fear slash courage slash proudness and love you know so before the wedding it was wow my dad's about to hoe marry a whole nother woman that's not my mama like what is this like this is the ghetto okay um but it was it was just it became really real to me that day like wow my dad's really starting to hold new forever with somebody else like you know, it, it, it was a lot that I had to realize, but that I also had to release. So all those tears were releasing like, you know, we closed one book. It wasn't even a chapter. We closed that book and we're starting a new one. All the characters are the same. Everything's carrying over, but it's a fresh and new beginning. And it was tears of letting go, you know, releasing 
all these old ideas that I had, um, what we used to have or whatever. And that release was making room for and opening me up to the new beginning that would happen later on that day. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because y'all's, um, wedding day is 10 10 which really means the closing of cycles um you know 10 is like the the final number the close number before the numerology starts back over at one um pretty much with 10 10 the closing of cycles and that that's what that was i went home and i journaled i was trying to hide it all day because i didn't (laughs) want nobody seeing me cry i tried to go in the room upstairs get myself together then you start walking down the aisle and it it just came (laughs) but i went home and i journaled that was key I went home, I journaled, I bawled, you know, did what I needed to do, got myself together and came back. I actually, I had a panic attack that day too, like a little anxiety attack. I don't know what it was, but somebody had to calm me down. And I was like, okay, whew, like, but then y'all asked me, you know, to give that speech. And part of my speech was, you've made my dad a better father. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that can be a controversial comment but it's true and i'll never forget the time you came down it was um gt's uh 50th i believe Mm -hmm. and carmen came with you remember me and her went to the mall we came to my apartment you calling us hours later like bro where y'all at like me and carmen were building and talking and i was so closed off to my bonus parents for such a long time you know because i don't want to like you know with my bonus dad I don't want to nope I already have a dad I ain't trying to let you in who are you I ain't trying to get to know you do none of that I was closed off same thing with Carmen you're not my mom like I don't know you like that you know whatever and, and it was you know unconscious like I did I wasn't doing it on purpose I was just protecting myself in my heart in a way and also feeling like protecting you know my relationships with you all as well individually um and feel like I had to get over feeling like I was betraying either one of y'all by building relationships with these people and that's why I call them my bonus parents because my fam I had to change my perspective my family's not breaking up it's adding on so I'm getting bonus the love bonus the parents instead of having two now I have four people to look after me I have four people to love on me four people to nurture me four people to support me um and that really helped me but back to our relationship with Carmen like that's why I said that the way you changed my dad's heart like it's almost like you know you had a icebox square where your heart used to be okay like uh Omarion said Mm -hmm. but Carmen's touch melted it a little bit but I feel like you had to you you're naturally okay Take this with a grain of salt because it's about to come out like not how I really want to say it. But you're naturally a soft person. Hey, no, I get what you're saying. Okay. Kind hearted person. Right. And that's what I'm meaning. Like you're naturally a good person, you know, naturally soft. I don't don't have any enemies. No enemies. You know, the peacemaker. It's just that Pisces energy, okay? Matter of fact, now I'm going to look into your birth chart. I feel like I did, but I got to go back and look again. You'll see. You'll be surprised. Yeah. You looked into your birth chart? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You got to find out just knowledge yourself, right? Yeah. Hold on. You know what? This is so crazy because I'm learning so much more about my dad. Anyway, um, always have been a soft person, you know, soft, 
open, transparent, not afraid to be vulnerable. Like that's who you are at your core, mm-hmm. you know, but circumstances in life hardened you, yeah. you know, even marriage at some point, you know, you and mom's marriage became a battlefield Yeah, and that, you know, it took me a while because now I'm starting to get to the point where I remember, I think, you know, you get to, to a certain point and all you remember is the bad times. Yeah. I'm starting to remember the good again. Mm-hmm. And that's when I get sad, you know, and it's like, yeah. oh, you know, starting to remember the good yeah, and healing and, time, you know, man. coming out of my depression, I'm able to remember that stuff. But, you know, toward the end, it was just tumultuous and a battleground. But that's so you had to become defensive even more. You know what I mean? Instead of, you know your life partner being a teammate they became you know your opponent in a way but when you're going through stuff and it was a it was a back and forth like you said mm-hmm. it was a battle but it wasn't passing blame on myself or her it's just when you met the break you meet the breaking point it's the breaking point that's why we had to end it because y'all start y'all have found started it started to overflow it. and spill into y'all seeing us miserable together you mm-hmm. feel what i'm saying and it wasn't the one thing after you go so long it you might can, it's a lot of things that you come might up. can put the toothpaste in the wrong joint. <laughs> You're like, nigga, you got the toothpaste in the wrong. Hey. I had it. <laughs> yeah, no, hey. Why you? Hey, you you too, too much season on my meat, woman. <laughs> oh my goodness! No, nah, but I like, mean, or you ain't cooking like I want. Like, just uh, I mean, the smallest things can, can be become this, huge. It can be the smallest things, but then at that course, so that's when we had to make a decision, right? Mm-hmm. So we getting back to. Like when you said, you know, uh, softening my heart or the terminology you use, and you know, you, you, you mentioned Carmen. And it was a situation where, like, I came from, you know, because at the tail end, like, me and your mom was battling. You know what I mean? It was battling for, for, for space. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's just what it was. Space, pride, yeah, power. Pride, like, I, ego, like, like both All of, of that. The, the biggest, like, weapons or detonators to marriage can be or just yeah. love and relationships and friendships and period is pride love. and ego pride and ego it, was it all gets in the way love, of what's really it, underneath it's almost like you know what was it what what it, what kane say in menace in society i forgot how it went but it was like sometimes you go and this is one of your mom's favorite quotes too you feel what i'm saying like you know you you did too you, you did too much to go on but didn't do enough to stay. You know what I mean? Something like that, to that effect. I forgot exactly what it is. It was like you did too much to go on, but didn't do enough to stay, or some shit like that. But anyway, like I was saying, when I was making married to Carmen, this was before we was married. Like I was, I know I, exactly I, I, what story you about to tell. Yeah, I was still in that that defensive mindset, that like, battlefield. Yeah, or, and I was ready. My guns was cocked. It was some minor, mm-mm. but it was like, let me get. Let me get, get, my, get my ammo together here. Like, let me go ahead and, and pipe up a little bit. And then we got into a little disagreement, and I was coming at a bubble. Da, 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 da. And then I expected her to respond, and I was like, "You gonna say something? You gonna say something?" <laughs> she was like, "No." <laughs> Period. What you mean? What you mean? Like, I'll wait till you calm down. I don't argue like that. And I was, and I'm still like. Get you there. <laughs> still mad. You mad because they not mad. Mad because they don't want to argue. Now you looking stupid. <laughs> it feels that stupid. Bless me like, though, because it let me know like I don't got to be that person. Not saying that your mom made me that person. Some people watch it. Your mom didn't make and me that, that person. And that's why I'm going next. Your mom that's didn't make me next. that person at all. But it's like what you mentioned with the birth charts. 
You can grow up. You can. Your environment makes you. I think your Venus is in Aries, so you might be. Might be. Yeah. It carves you to who you're gonna be because you can be a Pisces or you can be a Gemini. You can be but anything. You got all these other influences in but the chart. If where you grow up, it can change who you are molecularly. You feel what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Just because your environment. So now you're dealing with a birth sign that's like contradicting who you really are, which is not the real you. Mm. So that space, you got to go back to that space. That time chart and say, this is the real me. How do I get back to get that Get back space? there. What, what do you need to unpack? And that's what I was going to say as far as, you know, you and mom and just that situation. I think it would have been so much more different. Like we said, y'all were young when, you know, you had me and then mm. got married when I was two. So I was mm. born in 98. You know, y'all got married in 2000. Y'all 21, 23 when you had me and then you know, 23, 25 when you get married or whatever. But the what you, you just said a key point, your environment and where you grow up can change you, you know, fundamentally, who mm -hmm. you are fundamentally at your core because you're not, we're, we're born to thrive. Mm -hmm. We're born who we are. We're born lights. We're born, you know, soft and open and vulnerable and born to thrive. But the world hardens us circumstances mm -hmm. force us to have to learn how to survive you mm -hmm. know and so we're in survival mode not thrive mode and you know you're you're just trying to survive trying to survive you know attacks you know from other people or emotional attacks psychic attacks mm -hmm. um just from every angle so you become you you grow this armor you know your ego mm -hmm. your pride and your e pride is a weapon of the ego but your ego is who you know is what formed when you felt that as a child, when you needed to protect yourself, that's where your ego comes from. So I feel like things definitely would have been different had y'all worked through these issues, you know, before then, because I feel like all this stuff. And so getting back to the topic of healing, and that's one thing that I'm really proud of myself and what I'm trying to do in the generational curse, I'm trying to break is getting myself together before even trying mm -hmm. to join. I want to be whole and join with yeah. another whole. You know what I mean? I want to be healed and so that I can nurture my children the way that I want to because if I still got mother and father wounds, let let's let's just be, you know, completely transparent, a thousand percent transparent. When I still have father wounds, I was out here acting like a Jezebel spirit. I was out here doing it up. Yeah. And but that's where our disconnect was. You you didn't understand why I was behaving that way. And, you know, chastising me for it and you making you fucking up, you making the same mistakes, you doing all of this instead of taking the moment to listen or pay attention and be like, why is my daughter acting like this? Where does she learn these things from? What what is triggering her? And then, you know, eventually I come out about, you know, my sexual abuse and all of that. So now we have a different understanding and you can get me on a different level um, now. And that was that part of healing. But that my father wounds if you, that started coming out there with sexual abuse wounds and then also taking out my daddy issues and looking for so what connection were, what, were, what were your daddy issues what just looking for connection outside of what i wasn't getting at home because if we think about it every time i was at a pivotal moment in my life or my adolescence you and mom were going through it so mom moved to Virginia when I was in middle school, right? Yeah, right. When I was 12, so you, you know, that time, how that time was for me, right? Ex exactly. That, that's where I'm going with yeah. it. I, but I'm at the place and I'm having yeah. a conversation from a point of understanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where I'm getting at my, 
forgiving my parents has been instrumental in mm-hmm. my healing. You know what I mean? And like my, my healing was part of forgiving my for, father. Forgiving your dad. Now. Even yeah. now, yeah. you know, today yeah. and the stuff that we've talked about. But it's like, you know, mom moving for her job and he going, I became the woman of the house at 12 years old. If we being a thousand percent honest, you know what I mean? Um, but I feel like in a way, you know, I had to raise Shannon for a little bit. You know, I had to take care of certain things at the house because, you know, you were raised with the traditional mindset. The woman need to be doing the laundry, the dishes or, you know, whatever else. But also you you leaned on the bros for support in that time. So in doing that, you know, you were connecting with other people and it was what you needed. It's what you had to do. And I received that. I understand that. But. I felt abandoned, you know, I felt abandoned by mom because she left and very much so I could have went with her, but I'm 12 years old. I got a whole life here. I don't want to pick up and leave and move and do all of that, you know, um, resented her a little bit and felt abandoned because she left, but I also felt abandoned by you because even though you were physically present, you weren't mentally present. So just like how Papa was with you, you know, as a man, you battling and dealing with your own stuff, you know, and that's why I was so crazy in such a monumental moment you know, today, um, and I don't say these things as a weapon, you know, or whatever, I'm just trying to explain to you. Um, today for you to say your first therapy appointment was today. I asked to go to therapy at that time when I was in seventh grade, you know, when I was 12 years old and I will never forget, you told me you were drinking on the couch, um, watching your stuff. And he was like, what therapies was something that got people wrong with them. Ain't nothing wrong with you, but you didn't know, you know, yes, mom was gone. But I was also being molested, you know, in that time period and had been for years. Not only that, I think that was the same year I ended up getting raped, you know, like just different things. But being in that space, I feel like, you know, I couldn't come to you and share that with you, you know, as my protector, as, you know, my provider and all of that, because I was afraid of being chastised. The time that I came out about being molested, if you remember, I feel like that's something you could never forget. I, you know, mom told me to tell you and I looked at you and I just broke. And that was the first time I'd ever cried about it. And it was years after it stopped. And I just broke. And it was one of those cries where I couldn't even talk. And all you could do was console me and tell me that I did nothing wrong. That's what I needed to hear from my dad in that moment because I was ashamed. You know, and this is by somebody, you know, that's close to you too. You feel me? So it's like, it's such a sticky situation. But I was acting out in all of these ways, doing all these things. But me acting out in those ways was a symptom of what was happening to me behind closed doors that you didn't know about. And, but me acting out in those ways, it's almost like, you know, you lost respect for me in the way that I was behaving, you know, as a young woman. And so we became like, we can go back to that time. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a lot going on. Shoot. You no, became, no, 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 listen, there was, it means that it had a lot going on, but remember, that's when your mom moved to Virginia, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, remember, Kiki didn't go until like maybe six months later, or mm-hmm. whatever, or a few, quite a few months later. So here I am. My wife moved for a job to Virginia, right? And now all of a sudden, I'm here at the home with three kids. Mm-hmm. Basically, a single father. Physically, single father a single father. In an instant, and that was. Traumatic. I, that, that was traumatic. No, it's not only traumatic, but it, it was it was a lot. Cause I still have had a career, had a job. Music. Y'all all the music, then you know, music back burner. You know, I don't got time to do that. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's full time dad. Kiki and Shandon Elementary, you in middle school, wilding out mm-hmm. in the middle school. You feel what I'm saying? So I still got to keep an eye on you. Is my point? It was like, look, 
You I know, was making you, things harder. You was making things harder. Like you, you boy crazy. You was, I mean, but it's typical teenage stuff that I had to deal with. So when I say what a comprehensive man is, mm-hmm. not only a protector and provider, but at that point, you know, I was like emotionally incarcerated to what I thought what a comprehensive man was then. Mm-hmm. I got to protect. I got to discipline. I got to provide. I ain't got worried about being emotionally attached to whatever you're going through. Mm-hmm. Suck it up. Let's live life. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's build from here. Mm-hmm. But it was at one time that I caught you with the old dude. Mm-hmm. You you 12 years old. Mm-hmm. He's 19. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm 17. No, no, no. He, he, no. We were five years apart. Nah, 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 nah. He was, he, it was a statutory rape. Let's put it out there. But the law stated it was statutory rape. No, no, it was. You know what I'm saying? I, by the time Even you caught it, I was like, I was just for was, facts no, no. purposes, but I get He's what you're saying anyway. You 12. You've been Regardless, it's statutory rape and he was way too old. I get that. Understand I understand that. that. You understand I received that, that I didn't then. You know what I'm but saying? But I, I get it now. Him, you kept claiming you love him. Mm-hmm. Y'all gonna be together. He gonna do all his things, and he's a street little cat. Remember, I had Reggie look him up, and he mm-hmm. been in and out JCYC and all that bullshit. Mm-hmm. So we was gonna kill a little nigga. You feel what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I'm just telling you, like straight up from a father. You're my daughter. Mm-hmm. He's 17 years old. Mm-hmm. You're 12. Bonus, man. Mm-hmm. You're sneaking out with him in middle school. Understand what I'm mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. No, I know. Remember, I will never I came, forget the rage I, I, I that came, night. I know. I came and got you, and you weren't there. And I'm like, where's Sajane? Or friend, your friends was like, when they, you know, uh, you don't get the details. You was out with him. Mm-hmm. And then I came up and got your phone because I knew something was happening. My antennas was up. I came and got your phone, and then your phone read, uh, they don't even know what happened. He think I was doing this. Okay. I went up there like, so, what the what is this? Yeah. And then it all just it imploded. It imploded from there. No, it exploded. Imploded, exploded, whatever you want to say. It's like, I'm your father. He's 17. You're 12. Mm-hmm. That was like, I couldn't get you to understand then. Mm-hmm. And you still, so you resented me for that. Our relationship wasn't the same for a long time. Mm-hmm. Even before you, like, went to college, because you still thought that y'all, I took that too far. But now thinking back, Tajane, he was 17. You were 12. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, I get it. Like now you do. But mm-hmm. he was 17 and you were 12. That's sick. Mm-hmm. And you're my daughter. Mm-hmm. How you think I'm supposed to respond to that? Mm-hmm. He got to go. Now, for I'm just saying, in my mindset, so look, this is how this is how it was. Calling the bruhs. I remember. Bruhs, Y'all had a spy and everything. Bruhs <laughs> a police officer. Mm-hmm. I ain't going to bring his name up. He been in police. Matter of fact, I think he caught me smoking weed in the school parking lot a couple he years said, ago. He, he <laughs> said, uh, he said, dog, dude, what you want to do? We can do something. We don't nobody know what happened to him. He just waiting on my word. Mm. You know what I mean? And he's in law enforcement, dog. We can make something happen. Nobody ever know. That's some sick shit. Just let me know. We ready. The bros on the force. You understand me? I then had to say, okay, well, if we do this, mm-hmm. then going I'm going to jail. <laughs> You're going to jail. I'm She's really going to be in mad. Virginia, your mom. We still got two kids to raise. Kiki and Shannon's in middle school. So I had to hit them back like, nah, bruh, we going to deal with this internally, bro. I appreciate it. 
but call the dogs off. That's how it went. But me and you still ain't where we need to be because you still think I'm keeping you from the love of your life type shit. Mm-hmm. And then to me, I'm like, if you don't stop playing, you know what I mean? So then we had odds for the next few years because you still like, we're, I'm like depriving you on living life. But you're 12 to 13, 15. Now and then, you know, you're 15 and 16 and you was getting over it then. Then at that pretty much same time, you're going through your, that, you know, other situation or whatever. And I never knew about the, like the, because even at the Boys and Girls Club in Newburgh, I knew something shit was wrong. This is when your mother's in Virginia too, right? Mm-hmm. I knew something was up. I came and got you. You wasn't there. And come to find out, you was over here, somebody's, some dude crib who, who took it. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that till like later, later, later on. Mm-hmm. I'm just going, picking up my kids from the Boys and Girls Club. You feel what I'm saying? So you still picking was in that Jezebel element crazy. to a point where it was like, and as a father, what am I supposed See. to do with that information? Then, you know, remember I had to take you to the 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 OBGYN to see if you've been raped or not you know what i'm saying like any forced entry by this dude or whatever whatever situation mm-hmm. that was that was real situations it, and there were several and this is where i'm going to you know interject a little bit cuz this is where the conversation begins to get uncomfortable for me because now i have to relive my trauma and but this, but this is the platform and this is the space to do so um you know, all of that was traumatic for me. You know, even just being taken to the doctor. To I was under the impression you was just taking me to a doctor to find out if I'm still a virgin. No, you're trying to take me to the doctor to find out if I've been raped. All these other, you know, all these other things. At the time, I hadn't been, but you know, I remember the sequence of events and all of these things, and it's uncomfortable for me to recall them and to relive them sometimes because I still have to fight through that shame. And one thing I want you to know as my father, you know, you explained your point of view and everything now, but imagine the shame I felt then and the shame that I still work through now, like even just reliving that and hearing, you know, you know, you talk about it and stuff, and I know we're in a different place, but I think, too, this is the, also the first time we've had a real conversation about, you know, my sexual abuse and assaults, because it was multiple. And people don't understand when people are sexually abused or assaulted, you can react in multiple ways. You become you can become hypersexual or asexual. You know, I was out here on the hyperspectrum and was doing whatever I wanted to do. That was, at the time, as a child... I was used to these things since I was seven years old. You know what I mean? You didn't know that. So I'm what, 12, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, five years at that point, I had been being molested or stimulated or violated, all of these things. You know, the things I was introduced to, these people didn't introduce me to that stuff. The other person did. You know, and so there was that and that happened every time I went, you know, to that city. So I come back home, like eventually imagine the psychological toll that that took on me. And that became the norm every time we went there. And it's like after five years, okay, now I am ready to take these steps. Now I am ready to, you know, or I think 
I'm ready to, you know, have sex or do all of these things or whatever, you know, clearly being 23 and thinking, you know, at 12, that's extreme. That is like when you said, I'm just trying to pick up my kids from after school. And I'm like, that's the key word. Pick up your kids. I was a kid, mm -hmm. seven years old, a kid and was introduced to this stuff, was forced to do things or whatever, and then forced to be quiet about it and was terrified for my life. That alone, I was ashamed about. And then I come home and I'm seeking that out. And then, of course, that was at the time that, you know, mom was gone um, and how that affected our family, too. And then you lean on the bras and all this other stuff. I'm looking for, you know, and I've tried to explain this to you before, I hate the term boy crazy because that wasn't really what it was. I was just seeking love, connection, and understanding. Right. I understand. That was my perspective based on the information, based on how you were acting then. I know. Like you were very rebellious. And if it weren't for me, I mean, at the same time, a father got to do what a father got to do to protect his daughter from whatever. Mm -hmm. You feel what I'm saying? At that point, yeah, my heart was hardened from, okay, well, you, because you, all you were saying, I mean, you, you wasn't talking to nobody about this stuff. All you were saying is you were just trying to get it in. You was thinking you grown. Because remember, even we went to your competition up in Indianapolis. Remember the chick who does hair? She does, do, did your hair at Naya or whatever. Remember we went to a competition up in Indianapolis. And I even told her to like talk to my daughter. Like she needs a female voice because she's going through some stuff so don't think i wasn't behind the scenes trying to get you help the best way i knew how because mm -hmm. y'all you know she had a daughter you know and her daughter seemed to me like she's put together and she was a stern mother too and your mother's in virginia at this particular point you know we didn't pretty much see your mom like every other month or even on the phone every like once twice a week you feel what i'm saying mm -hmm. And, you know, so I told her, when you're doing her hair, can you speak some words of wisdom, talk to her about being a woman and how she needs to protect herself and just put her on game. And then, like, her response to me, when you were that young, you're still, like, 12, 13. 13. Like, you know what, I'm, yeah, people think I'm 12, 13, but, you know, I'm pretty much like a 19, 20-year-old. Like, I'm, I'm, like, way mature for my age, and that's what everybody got to realize. That was your mindset, and she couldn't do nothing about it. It's funny, it's still my mindset. <laughs> but I'm saying, so that, that you was that personality that we was dealing with. So it wasn't mm -hmm. about none of the That's other. the thing. I was always but a very saying, strong, rebellious, stern personality. It wasn't about all stuff that you went through then. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Like, you just wanted to be grown before your time. And do what I wanted Remember, to do. do what you wanted to do before your time. Grown before your time. Wearing makeup. What, what I used to say. What I used to say to you about wearing makeup. You wanted to wear makeup super early. Mm. Then, because this is something, and I used to have these conversations with my mom, too. And she had them with my sister. And so, like, I'm seeking, like, how to handle this situation because I have a daughter and I'm, I only know one way. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? As a man, as a father, my daughter, protector, period. Fuck all the other dumb shit. Like, I, yeah, I'm not going to get emotional with you. That's not, I'm. I'm raised a certain way. You know what I'm saying? I had to go to my mom, like, what it is. Then it was like, you know, because I used to tell you, like, Tajanae, what, when this is me and my mom building, like, you know, and, and this is what I explained to you then, like, save yourself for something. Like, you can't do everything too early. Mm -hmm. I used to tell you all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, I was just 
talking about this the other day, actually. I tell you, like, Tajanae, you're 12. Like, you don't have to have all this makeup. Wait till you get into high school so you can have something to look forward to. You can't do all this at 12, 13 years old. Mm -hmm. You feel what I'm saying? Because then you're not going to have anything to look forward to to get pretty, going to prom and all this. You're too young for this. Mm -hmm. It's so funny. I think about that now, me drinking um, before I turned 21 in college. Now I don't even like drinking for real, for real no more. And I'm only 23. I mean, it's fine because alcohol is poison anyway. But, yeah, but I'm I was just thinking that. And I was just expressing that to one of my friends this week, you know, being told, there are a couple things that you told me. It only takes one time, Tajanae. That rings in my head to, to this make day. Because one mistake can be what? Your fatal mistake. Fatal Don't mistake. let that one mistake you make be your fatal mistake. Mm -hmm. So when you're out there doing your thing, that's one thing I told you, Tajanae. Don't let that one mistake be your fatal mistake. You end up getting pregnant by him. You end up catching AIDS by him. Whatever. Don't let that one simple mistake can be a fatal mistake. Mm -hmm. so acknowledge that so it's like i was building then you know what i mean and you took it a certain way because you were young and i understood young, that I but at the same time that. your mom gone that's the only way i can build the only way you know how and so in this conversation right like i want you to know i know that i understand that i've received that i've processed that like i get it mm -hmm. you know i i forgive you for that i'm just at the space of forgiving myself no, I got you. And that's what I was trying to explain to you. Like, it is, you know, I feel like, you you know, you you keep trying to explain yourself and stuff, but I want you to know I understand. Okay. You don't okay. have to explain. I understand. I, I, I know. I get it. You know, and I but, love you, period. But, but actually, no, because let's, let's take a step back. This is just your podcast. It's about healing. Mm-hmm. Me telling you these things and explaining myself is helping me heal too. Because sometimes really? I feel regret that maybe I didn't do enough. Which okay. You feel what I'm saying? I knew I could probably did some things differently. Even with Shandon. Mm -hmm. Even with Kiki. Mm -hmm. You know, her being a middle child. And we adopted Shandon. Like, and now she's a middle child. You feel what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And... Like, there's some things, like, when them four walls start talking to me, when I was in that fucking suicidal state and all that, I'm thinking, like, did I do enough? Like, do my children really love me? Like, do they appreciate me doing the best that I could? I felt like I was just out there, like, all them years that I spent was wasted. Because nobody called and checked on me. You do now. y'all. You know what I mean? Nobody used to call and check on me. Y'all go home, y'all go to your mama's crib. It's like when the kids came over, it's like they was forced to come over because that was the arrangement. You feel what I'm saying? Even when they came over, it was like I wasn't in the right space. To, all they wanted to do was be in the room doing their thing. And it was like, but I was in a space of like, I know what, you know, like this is fake. This fake love. I was going through it mentally then too. You feel what I'm saying? And they probably felt a certain way, you know, about that particular time but you know i tried like with them visitation but that time this i'm talking about the time that i'm trying to put the i had to go put the pistol in the car so i won't it's probably one of the weekends i was supposed to have them that's how fucked up the generational curse is with i'm talking about mental, my father, health. mental health and that's what i was gonna it say it can happen like that it can happen I like know. that <laughs> you feel what i'm saying so yeah, and so when I I recall those moments, like yeah, it was it 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 was real. So it was a process. 
for me to get to where I am, I would say right now that I'm finally in this, finally in a space. But just like I mentioned before, actually a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. I had this break where I had to let everything go. Mm-hmm. The resentment I had toward my father, I had to forgive him, I had to forgive my grandmother, because I can't be good for anybody if I'm not good for myself for first. I got to be good with myself and for myself before I can be good for y'all. You know what I mean? Still good for your mother who I need to support because, you know, we still a union where we still got to continue to build y'all up. You know what I'm saying? Like, got to be good for my wife. I can't be good for nobody if I'm not good for myself. You know what I mean? I got to get myself straight. And I'm working on the song right now, and I'll let you listen to the track after we, you know, wrap this train up. It's called it, um, If I Can Fly, I'll Pick You Up. But I'm still trying to fly. I can't pick you, you up You can't until fly I'm with one wing, like Sparkle. You feel what I'm saying? You can't it's fly like, with one wing, so you're trying to get your own, trying to fly. I'm trying to fly. Like, I feel you. I want to be there, but I'm still dealing with stuff eternally, too, that I got to release and build on. So I can't even help you like I want to help you until I help myself. And that is the point of forgiving your parents. And I think it's such in a pivotal. And I was just talking to mom about this the other day because I was just bawling and crying, just thinking about, you know, mom, you know, and it's just like I'm just faced with this reality that mortality is real and you don't know how much more time you have left with people. So there's no sense in holding on to this shit. There's no sense in being anger, bitter or having resentment forgive it because mm-hmm. what happens anything can happen at any time if they were to die right now or tomorrow no. how would you feel how would that no, affect you how would you you know and so i operate in that mindset and it's like forgiving your parents is such an instrumental part of the healing process and has been in my journey no i'm not saying i had terrible parents but i think we tend to idolize and immortalize our parents and in doing that we forget that they're human. Mm-hmm. So me becoming an adult and having to like, I only knew you as dad in you know, the father capacity, but becoming an adult, I am building and growing respect for you in other areas because, okay, now I respect you as a businessman. Now I respect you as an Omega man. Now I respect, you know, I respect you as a father, but you know, now I respect you as all these different components and pieces to you. You know, because they all make up who you are. You're not just a father. That is just one aspect of who you are. You had 21 years of life that you lived before me. Mm-hmm. You had just how things have shaped me. You had all these things that shaped you. And like I said, parents do the best they can with what they have and what they know how and what they were given. And, you know, I've already started crafting an episode about that. But mm-hmm. so I'll go deeper in that episode. But it's also just realizing that your parents are human. They have their own stories. And that's what it was, you know, why I was so emotional thinking about mom the other day. She, you know, I saw this picture of her as a little kid. Yeah. yeah. And I, saw that. I think it's so important. And I, and I had to journal. I was starting to text. It was 2.22 in the morning. It was so funny because I would see that picture and it made me emotional see my mom as a kid and it's like I had to pause my text message and start journaling and I just cried and you know nine times out of ten I prayed or whatever but that was such a breakthrough for me you know because it's like I've you know we only know you all as adults Mm -hmm. as parents as our superiors you know so seeing that reminded me 
she was a little girl at some point. Mm -hmm. You know, she was a kid at some point with her own experiences that shaped her or hardened her or whatever to be who she is now. And in doing that, it makes it easier to forgive. It makes it easier to understand. It makes it easier to have compassion. You know what I mean? Because it's like... Your mother mother was a great mother, and she was also a great wife. Phenomenal woman, period. Phenomenal woman, period. You know... um, always always like your mom was like in a lot of ways like when i was out doing my thing music wise your mom held it down held it down okay you know what i'm saying like you know but you know she did things the best way she knew how to Mm -hmm. because she got a she got a story also Mm -hmm. on her upbringing you feel what i'm saying we did like you said we did the best we could with what we had and how we knew how Mm -hmm. you feel what i'm saying so that itself is like you, you deserve, you know, some sort of like, um, all right, not, I'm not, 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 no kudos for anything for being the best parents ever or whatever, but when well, I mean, we were damn good what parents, was, to y'all, period. You know I mean? Like, but, you know, like, get out of jail, free car for this and that based on, like, how we were raised and what we knew. You feel what I'm saying? And then the, sometimes generations growing up, remember y'all grew up in the social media generation too, like once y'all got into elder years mm-hmm. of y'all, you know, youth. Mm-hmm. So it was like... That makes it harder too because you're comparing your life to other people. You feel what I'm saying? And then it's like, you know, remember, I didn't want y'all to have cell phones. Mm-hmm. I understand. But I don't want my at, kids At the same too. time, it was like you had to have them in case, you know, we late to the bus stop, they were out, you got to have a cell phone. But I'm mm-hmm. like, nah... Yeah, I ain't want y'all to have Snapchat. Remember that? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember when the kids. I'm telling journey. you, I be nah, feeling like of, internet and social media is the devil. Okay. I was like, nah, they ain't got no damn Snapchat. They like, send pictures and they disappear. And they disappear. Remember <laughs> I said that? As I said, I feel yeah. like social media and the so internet is Snapchat, the devil, bro. Your mom didn't know what I was talking about. I was like, no, because I mean, you can this send shit disappear news. like in 10 seconds. So you can send pictures, they disappear. That's the devil. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. A lot of this stuff, and that's what I meant trying so to take fight, steps we're fighting back. That too. Y'all we're, fighting we're time fighting. and evolution of society. We're trying to raise. Church. You can't pray in church no more. Man. You feel what I'm saying? They take everything away, and we're trying to raise kids in the midst of all this, like, this, you know, new structure of the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Internet, social media. And y'all was in the pivotal stages of youth. Mm-hmm. And it's like, damn. And then the, youth, the the internet got more control of y'all than we do because y'all dealing with school, you know, on your phones at school, on the bus, to school, from school. And we the system got y'all eight hours a day. We see y'all three hours a night before we go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Technically, they're your parents. That's your parents more so than we are. Mm-hmm. So then when we come together, have dinner, have meals, not the, then we got to unwind been a tough day at work we're frustrated sometimes and still try to be present with your kids that's hard that's what i'm saying being an adult now it makes it so much easier because i get it me having a full-time you know position in my field on top of being a middle school dance coach on top of you know now starting this but teaching dance classes fulfilling my passion with music and dance doing all of these things as an individual I don't got no kids yet by the grace of God, you know, but it's like I'm doing all these things. Sometimes I'd be I wouldn't mind being Papa Debo. 
I told you, think about what you want to be called. <laughs> it's coming, it's coming. But just pray, just pray for my husband, daddy. Right just pray. That's what I'm saying. Just pray for my husband, daddy. Yeah. That's it, cause yeah, that that's I'm look. I'm selling my youth. That's what I'm saying. I'm and that you. when you were saying that, you know, you see your frat bros with their little kids and stuff, like. But that's what I was thinking about on Thanksgiving, you know, or even Christmas. Like I'm so excited you know, to give you a grandchild and to do that. So you have somebody you can go out and throw the football around with, you know, or whatever, or put knowledge into, like, I'm excited for that step. And it's like, if I'm being a thousand percent honest, I want nothing more right now than to have my family unit. But I have to remind myself because like you said, when I was younger, you know, I was in that space of, yeah, I'm 12, but I'm really like 17 in my head, I have to remind myself, Tajna, you're only 23 years old. Like, I be feeling, you know, 26, 27, like I'm racing against a clock. And I feel like that's yet another, you know, problem with the social media generation or just social media as a whole. You know, where this, you know, I've heard people call it a microwave generation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's instant gratification. And you see people, you know your age doing all these things you're so worried about scrolling on that timeline you forgetting about mm -hmm. god's timeline for your life yep. that's how i feel about that i don't have to have a family by 22 or be married and have the love of my life at this point or buy a house i saw people buying houses at 20 and stuff and i'm like who wants that my thing is who wants that responsibility yeah. and i was just having not a meltdown on the phone with mom but i was just talking to mom last week and i was like bro it just be freaking me out i just be wild because i'm really of age where i could really start a family and have kids and do all of this but it's different when you grow up as a child fantasizing about these things or romanticizing these things or wishing for these things or looking forward to these things then you finally of age to be able to do them and for it to become reality and it's like oh wait a minute yeah, i'm still I'm learning like how that. to take care of myself yeah. let alone a baby yeah. human like i would love to have my little bundle of joy and you know, all of that, but, and that's all I was going to say, it's like, if it happens, it happens, but I'm protecting myself so that it doesn't happen, and and I'm, I'm going to touch on that in a second, but it's like, to be like, wow, that is a another human life, I'm responsible for my own right now, and I'm still learning how to be, you know, responsible with my own life and take care of myself and pay bills and provide for myself and i'm still learning it's still a journey like i'm learning how to be financially responsible learning how to budget learning how to grocery shop i'm learning how to feed myself for health not just because it tastes good i'm learning how to cook and just nourish my body which i've learned that i love cooking now but you know it's just different things and it's like when you have a child it automatically becomes you have to do those things. You don't have no choice no more. It's not just about you. Some days I don't eat, you know, and not just because you, or not because I don't have the money or the means to just because I don't feel like it. If I don't feel like cooking, I'm a snack on something or whatever. But a child, I have to worry about their nutrition, their health, you know, and I have to nourish them and do all of these things. So I'm at an age like, yeah, I want those things. So Give me a couple think, more years. Was you was younger than me. You was born. I was, I was a junior in college. That's nuts to me. That is you know absolutely saying? nuts to me. Said, where I had to, I was in football practice two days, and had to go out and hit the street door to door selling ADT security. Systems. Then go to the Q house at the end of the night to put yeah, me to you, sleep. You, 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 you feel what I'm saying? <laughs> you, you feel what I'm saying? And then the next week, no, even when your mom was no, this is when your mom was living in Bowling Green. Mm -hmm. We was living together, right? 
Just like to put, we could so many stories. She'll tell you these same stories. Like I got a Pell Grant, then I had like my food car. We used to have like Chick Fil A every day because it's like I got like three meals left. I couldn't eat during the day because I had to come home and make sure that she ate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Make sure that you know you had food too. But we, I brought plenty of meals home off the food car from the scholarship. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? But then that just. Knowing that I'm a college student, and, and you had to provide for two other three two, people. Two a days. You're talking about three, no, yeah, two days. Then we get done with practice. I'm out hitting the street because I got to provide. Mm. You feel what I'm saying? But then I got to go to class at the same time. Mm-hmm. I got to back to football practice, have a game, go to the streets, make this money. Some mm-hmm. ADT says, because that was, was a hustle move. I was mm-hmm. straight hustling, door to door. You know what I mean? Mouthpiece was sick. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm Period. saying? Like, look, I had to get this, you know, I had to get this it's off. It's the have to. I had to that get That survival off. mode. It was like, but but that was, you know, what you're going through now at 23. So when I had you, I was 22. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? That's that's during during that whole time. You know? No, it was 21 when I had you. That's what I'm saying, 21, yeah. But I remember, like, my wrote that song, Early Grade. Even yeah, at the great. age of 21, I'm going to be there for my son or whatever it may be. Just pray that it's healthy. And I'm Period. glad that God made this precious gem and he's giving it to me. Yeah. It's crazy because you, you said, <laughs> gave me this precious gem. Was, and I'm a Gemini that loves to drop gems. That's what's yeah, so funny. Man. Um, and you just told me that, uh, I want to say like a month ago, you are so precious in a gem to the world. Like... And it's crazy that it's still the same word that you used back then when you were contemplating whether or not to have an abortion to abort yeah, me. I almost wasn't here, so, y'all. Yeah, 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 I almost y'all, wasn't here. Yeah, she almost wasn't here. Me and my dude, shout out to my dude Mario. Uh, we we got to reconnect. Um, my guy from the Nasty Natty, we had a song called Early Grave. And it was like, you know, he had a verse and I had a verse. And his verse was like he was upset and emotional and sort of a, in the depression because he 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 got a divorce yeah i mean he got a uh uh abortion you know what i mean he got an abortion and then i came in like you know at the end of the verse like relieving him like man this is you know i'm in the same situation and i started the mm-hmm. verse like i gotta find that song man i never heard it since the night he took the words right yeah. out of my head i was like can you find, find that, that song. <laughs> I gotta find that song because i came in like i feel you dog you know what i mean mm-hmm. then i told him my situation because i'm like man you know i'm having this baby i'm having it i don't know what's gonna come of it but i'm having it you know because especially i'll you know grew up in church like I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't kill you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy as it sounds. Like mm-hmm. I said, I just couldn't kill my baby. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, here. it's facts. It's facts. No, I mean, true stories. But man, your mom was in that, you know, those conversations. He was... said, "Nah, we keep, we 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 keeping this. Mm-hmm. We gonna make it work. She's gonna be great. She's gonna have a podcast in twenty twenty two about healing." Period. <laughs> Y'all didn't know the anointing that was over that pregnancy, yeah. the oil that was placed in her belly. Okay, I'm telling yeah, you, man. like setting the world ablaze. No, and it's it's it, it's so wild, yeah, you know. Was born, and you was born, man. That was, yeah, you was born. You you gonna be special. 
He's gonna be special. And yeah, have why, been since I was a kid. That's why I was so, you know, so hard too, because I knew you had more potential than what you was putting out at an early age. But I always told you, even young. I mean, we talking about your gymnastics. You're always a clutch mm-hmm. player. Mm-hmm. While you come, you be, you, you know, you be nervous about your gymnastics competition. I said, Taj, they don't worry. You, you clutch. Mm-hmm. You got a clutch gene. You're gonna be it's all a right. Clutch gene. Without little, without gene. practice or very little practice, you come out and you stick everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you was a flyer. You was a tumbler. You nervous because you you had a lot of you was the youngest one on the joint, right? And captain, I will never forget yeah, being a six year old first grade, being a captain of captain. my elementary school cheerleading team and being the best one on the team, and I was hated, you know, for it. And you know how you talked about grandma um, being worried, you know, with you being the peacemaker yeah. that you know it will be detrimental to you at some point. You know, you get caught in the crossfire, get killed because you're trying to dissolve you know, or resolve a situation, be the peacemaker. Mom's biggest fear about me was girls and their jealousy. And that's something that I've dealt with my entire life. And it's so crazy because I never thought, you know, I was somebody to be jealous of. Like I've always been, you know, super humble and, you know, whatever, almost to where I'm so. You always had, I'm just stop you there. Like you couldn't help that. Mm -hmm. You always had that natural star power. Mm -hmm. You always had it. Mm -hmm. Like, you always had, you just get in front of the lights and you shine. That's who you were. That's who you are. And I'm like, I'd be like, yeah, that's my, that's my baby. baby. <laughs> that's my baby. Get him, Nate. Get him. She's out there killing this shit right now. Y'all can't do nothing. Like, I'm a natural born performer. Yeah, natural yeah. born performer, natural born superstar, yeah, all of those things. And it's just like. What you mean? I. She's out here. Okay, period. And it's. You know, having that support, you know, at such a young age, you know, meant the world, but also feeling that jealousy, hate and animosity from my peers. I definitely feel like, you know, shaped me in a way Um, I started to dim my light for other people. Mm-hmm. I started to make myself smaller so other people feel comfortable. Now I'm to the point, I, I don't care, bitch, you. squirm. You could be uncomfortable in my presence, but I'm not going to cower or diminish my power because you feel uncomfortable. That's a you problem. Yeah. I'm going to continue to walk in my light, continue to be the star that shine like the star that I am, continue to be the phenomenal, you know, phoenix and woman that I am, you know, and, and just stand in that. Own my truth. Know, first of all, know who oh, I, I am. I always talk to who you was. Period. Even history. Like, why do you think I got Egyptian symbols tattooed on me? I have two Egyptian symbols, a Lauren Hill tattoo, and an Erica Badu tattoo. You, you know, I was, you always make sure right that yeah. I, you know, had knowledge and that I was, you know, rooted. You know what I mean? And I think I lost that, you know, after a while because <laughs> I was trying to. I, don't know, I got I to intervene. That one time you got suspended from school. For fighting? For fighting. Nah, nah, for calling that girl. Oh. <laughs> you were so engulfed in the knowledge. <laughs> At freaking like, yeah, I was, I was like probably that. in like second grade. That's not, that's not, you know, that's how, not you how you use it. Knowledge and just, but I always taught you, like, you know, you the mother of civilization. Period. Like the first woman on the planet was found right. over in Uganda, mm-hmm. right? They call her Lucy, millions of years old. Right. They don't teach you that. So, they teach yeah. you about Lucy, but I don't tell you where they found yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. In Africa, you are the you're, you're, you're the oldest skeletons creation. ever found of human creation was found in Africa. Period. For those who don't know, and everything else came from you. Period. Period. 
I'm the but cipher you took of the that birth and of the mother. You took that and uh, <laughs> <laughs> ran with it. Caught this girl, an ugly little white girl. Yeah, you Sorry just mad because you're an ugly little white girl. I said, now, oh. in my defense, she was being mean. I, she, her, girl. and like two, it was three girls in a stall in the bathroom. It was a sock cop. Um, in the stall crying and I stopped through being the concerning, compassionate, loving being and soul that I am and was like, oh, what's wrong? Are you okay? And she, this girl told me it's none of your business or mind your business. Girl, what? You just mad because you a little white girl and moved on with my life. Yes, okay. And they tried to stop my shine, y'all. They tried to keep, <laughs> we I had a cheer competition. I had a game that night and a cheer yeah, competition the next in, day into the time. office. I'm Who's sitting the there. The officer tap, the truth, like, he Man. called me. He's like, yeah, I got to talk to you. Because he knew y'all was a good kid. You was a good kid. You good know what kid, I mean? but she shouldn't have fucked yeah, with me, though. That's like, the hey, thing. Man, like, we got to suspend her. She can't, you know, uh, compete. I was like, what? Yeah, like, no, what she do? Like, what Taj they do? Because she what, was what, offended. What, that what was mean? being mean to me. Like, yeah, she called. I said, ah. Oh. No, they I'm was being mean to knowledge. me. No, because <laughs> how dare you? She was so Because I'm trying to teach you your profound queen goddess don't weaponize it against yeah blackness and all that like yeah understandable but nah she had me fucked up i ain't gonna lie because don't be mean don't be nasty <laughs> like it was i don't even remember what i was saying I that i told your mom your mom was like yeah <laughs> your mom said see it's your fault i was like yeah, and you knew <laughs> i gotta wait teachers is too much they can use it as a weapon in, in different situations Man, but, no, but but that's the thing like i feel like i've so many weapons have been formed against me. But let me tell you, baby, they never prospered, okay? God never said they wouldn't form. He said they wouldn't prosper. So many times I've encountered jealous, quote, unquote, friends. I'm going to call them frenemies, you know, even to this day. You know, it, it, that's something that I have, I have had to navigate my entire life. And not knowing, like, you always taught me who I was, you know, historically and all these other things. But then I go out, like you said, you know, school, the system has us for eight hours a day. And then, you know, whatever. At this point, I I always wanted to be loved. I just wanted mm -hmm. to be loved and have friends and connect with people. That's still how I feel to this day. Things are different because mm -hmm. of experiences. But that's who I am at my core. I just want to love on people, nurture people, connect with people. And just have a good time. I didn't understand why girls didn't like me. I didn't understand why, you know, and mom would always say they're jealous. I never thought I was somebody to be jealous of, but that's because I didn't recognize my own power. And, you know, that was a, that was, a, you know, a strength and a weakness, you know, because I'm humble. But at the same time, no, you being too humble to where you don't even see who you really are. And you letting people play with you and play in your face. And that's what I've had to learn you know, in my yeah. journey, but I used to dim my light for other people or, you know, make myself smaller, make other people feel comfortable. And, you know, even just going back to like, you know, what we spoke about with the boys and me looking for love and connection. One thing about my healing, it's been about self. Mm -hmm. It's been about me. And that's yeah. so hard because I'm always told I always make things about me or whatever. But I had to love myself. I had to pour into my own cup. I'm sitting here trying to pour into everybody else. But not pouring into myself and then expecting other people yeah, to pour into life. me. Seriously, that's my problem right now to this day. Mm -hmm. Even with the bros or even with everything that's going on, you got to take care of self first. Period. Learn how to say no. You can't do be. You can't be everything. That's all for I'm saying. Everybody. This is the year of yes and no. Yes to everything I want to do and no to everything you, I don't want to do. You can't be everything for everybody. All the time. Like, that's Jesus' job. I'm not Jesus. Yeah. And that's literally what I've been telling myself. And you wrote that. So for Christmas, 
I asked for letters from, you know, each of my immediate family members, you know, to remind me, you know, what they love about me, what inspires them and, you know, just different things. And that's something you wrote in your letter was, you know, you've always been a superstar child. You've always been a star seed. So that may be why you feel like you aren't doing enough. That may be why you're not fully fulfilled because I know I have a destiny. I know I'm supposed to, I have huge potential to fulfill great things, but it's like, at the same time, I kind of got lost in that as well. And then trying to sit here and be, you know, cool with everybody that helped. I feel like I definitely lost my way a little bit in college. You know, I, you know, I blazed my own trail. Um, I made a name for myself. I did all these things. And, you know, I just wanted friends. You know, I had the popularity. I had the sorority sisters, you know, um, and different things. But I had to learn the hard way. Every soror ain't your sister. You know, I had sorors that were literally my enemies. They're my soror to my face and an enemy behind my back. You know, that's, trying that's to... Life, that's life, that's family, that's friends, that's everything. And that's everything. I've had a family member do the same yeah. stuff. And it's like, that was so traumatic for me. I experienced it from all angles, from friendships, from family, from sorority sisters. And an instrumental part of my journey, you know, we even talked about me seeking, you know, love and connection in men outside of that. It all started with me. One of the biggest lessons I've learned is it all begins and ends with me. I have to be whole on my own and be able to stand on my own. I have to know who I am and not waver in that. I can't control what others say or do, but I can control how I choose to respond to it how I will let it affect me, if at all. And in realizing those things, I've reclaimed my power. My power, my sanity, my confidence, my identity, my voice. I finally see myself for the first time in a long time, if ever. And switching gears, after listening to my dad's song, I Am What I Am, I came to realize something else. He said, the Lord knows my final chapter and look, I ain't no fucking rapper. My soul talks to listen up, feel my pain when I erupt. I am who he made me and I will remain until he lays me down. It feels good to be me, okay, and period. But those bars help me to realize that we are so much more than the things that we do and things we've been through. We are so much more. So I've really been sitting and figuring out just who Tajane really is outside of what she does without all the trauma and without the drama, who is she? In addition to that, we can be so many things all at once. You don't have to be just one thing. Multiple things, even if they contradict, can coexist at one time. Where I had myself fucked up at and where I was hindering myself, because the only limitations you have are that which you place upon yourself, is thinking that I had to be and do just one thing, which was frustrating because I'm a multifaceted person with so many gifts. That's how the House of Healing was born. I was praying and asking God to show me a way to build something that encompasses all of me and all that I can do. Don't you know God entirely changed my vision? Here I was wanting to be the next Beyonce, a powerhouse performer that can sing and dance, but that dream didn't encompass all that I am. That would have neglected important parts of me that are necessary to fulfilling my purpose. Now I ain't gonna lie, it's been hard letting that dream die, but I saw something the other day 
an article, Make Peace With Your Unlived Life. It went on to say we often mourn for what we didn't become. And yes, there is grief attached to old dreams, old ideas, old relationships, old plans, even old friends. But we can't wallow in that because you can never miss or mess up what's meant for you. What is for you will always be for you and nothing will change that. What came and went simply was not meant for us and that's okay. Things change. We change. It's evolution, the way of life. You know, the only constant in life is change. Evolution is the way of nature and naturally humans are the same. God has given us so many clues about how life works. From the seasons to nature, planting seeds from animals to children before conditioning, the sunrise and sunset in the moon, masculine and feminine energy, there are so many clues and you'll pick up on them if you just ground yourself and pay attention. I say all this to say, I used to think I had to be just one thing, that I was gonna grow up and be an entertainer for the rest of my life, that it was only gonna look one way, but even with just dance, my gift can take on so many forms. Yes, I could be an entertainer or a backup dancer, but I could also be a dance teacher, a choreographer, a dance coach. I can even own my own dance studio. There are so many different ways I could implement dance in my life, and the best part about it all is, I don't have to be famous to do it. I don't have to have a million followers to do it. As long as I'm touching one person, making a difference in one person's life, they can go off and make a difference in two people's lives. And those two people can go on to make a difference in more people's lives and so on and so forth. That's how a snowflake can cause an avalanche. That's how change happens. That's how evolution occurs. My idea of success is evolving. I used to think being a successful singer meant reaching Beyonce's level and maybe even surpassing it. But the thing about that is, can't nobody be Beyonce but Beyonce. And that's okay, because can't nobody be Tajanae but Tajanae. And it's not about being like or better than anybody else, but being the best version of myself. All I can do is be the best me that I can be authentically. My idea of success now is staying true to myself, walking in my purpose and making a difference. And I can do that through so many things. I can be more than just one thing. I'm not just a dancer. I'm not just a singer. I'm not just a public speaker. I'm not just a community activist. I'm not just one thing. So stop asking kids what they want to be when they grow up, insinuating that it can only be one thing. My sister had it right all this time. Just let them be and they will grow and flourish into the many things they choose to be. We don't have to choose just one thing. Like Nas said, you can be anything that you want to be, and if you work hard at it, you'll be where you want to be. The house of healing is a roof that encompasses all that I wish to do, all that I am and whatever I choose to be. So I am what I am, and I be what I be, and I do what I do. I'm who God says I am. I'm who God designed me to be. One of the things that God designed me to be is a poet. So enjoy this piece I wrote just days before publishing my first ever podcast episode. And one more thing. I love y'all. Now go be great. The crazy thing is, my actions show that I don't care enough, but my thoughts prove that I care too much. Even the most minor fuck up gets blown up, but could it be I'm flippant because I'm afraid? Afraid of what others might say? 
afraid of actually being great. It's like I self-sabotage myself every day because I'm not showing up as the best version of me. It's like I'm afraid of trying and failing, so I settle for mediocrity. It's like I hide in the shadows because I know my light can be blinding. It's like I tame myself and make myself smaller because I know my presence and my power can be intimidating. But that's not who I was designed to be. So until I start showing up and stop truly giving a fuck what others think of me and how I'll be perceived, there will always be a war inside of me. The truth is, I like being the chaotic Gemini that causes controversy. I like being the most quiet in the room sonically, but the loudest energetically. I never had to announce myself because my presence was always felt. But as a budding empath, I could always feel that energy, the glaring eyes staring back at me, the not so soft whispers about me. It became too much, so I started hiding, but no more. I have to accept that there's a pitfall to it all. Being the center of attention also means being the object of criticism, but it has less to do with you and everything to do with them, because while you're busy shining, they're stuck seething, and I'm tired of being kept prisoner by my own thoughts. It's time to break out of this Alcatraz of overthinking and collect all that was lost. So many pieces of me broke off over time. Now I'm coming back for everything that's mine. Even if I have to cross the line on this journey of seek and find, returning to me is worth it. So I'm going to make it happen, even if I got to die trying.